Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Dark Myths Podcast. This is a podcast about the members of the Dark Myths Collective. Explore what lies beyond and enter the minds of the Dark Lords. The Darkness awaits. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, listeners to the Dark Myths Podcast, and welcome to the episode 7 of our wonderful show. And this time with us is Clara Testoni from the Singing Bones Podcast. And uh, as always, I'm your host, Christoph Sandreisons. And say a warm welcome to, well, uh, at least for now, the only lady of our Dark Myths Collective, Clara Testoni. Hi, Clara. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I am the only lady, aren't I? This is, it's, well, you're you're the only host so yeah, far. Yeah, it was a I'd lovely a lovely surprise when I was invited invited to join Dark Myths. It was it was a, a very lovely surprise, and it is it's nice. I, I enjoy so many of the podcasts. It's really great. Yeah, great. Uh, it's nice nice to have you. So yeah, uh, also I have to mention that finally for the first time ever there are no North Americans on this this show. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, we have we have gotten rid of the American people. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm from Sydney. Where, where were you born? What's what what's up? What's up with you? <laughs> I'm from Sydney. I live in Perth now, which is on the other side of Australia, um, and I've been living here for a couple of years now. Um, and I'm a writer and a performer, and I perform as an actor and as a puppeteer as well. I do puppetry. Mostly shadow puppetry, and um, but I've always uh, been obsessed with fairy tales, and it's always been part of my uh, performance and my writing to tell stories and to um, and to do shadow puppetry about folk tales and myth, and so yeah, it's just it. I you know I got obsessed with podcasts, and it was something that I really wanted to do. I could see there was a lot of mythology podcasts out there. And um, and I love mythology, but I, I was really missing some of the more literary fairy tale stuff. Yeah. What's what's about your name? I mean, how did you come to the Singing Bones? Singing Bones is a Grimm Brothers tale. Well, it's actually the Singing Bone. Um, and and I I've always liked it. It's it's uh, one of like the oldest archetypes about like a stories about a, a wronged someone who was murdered and they're and they're ghost their bones avenge them um and i think it was also nice because like fairy tales are the bones of stories they're the very stripped back base of all storytelling and so for me it was this nice mixture of the gothic and the magic something that was fairy tale like but not too girly because i'm not into the princess stuff (laughs) 
<laughs> oh wow! Now, I, I, your podcast is very easy to relate to. I mean, I I remember growing up and and reading reading this. I had this big book uh, which was uh, kind of published in the Soviet Union, which was a combined collection of all the tales about um, about cunning and sneaky people. Uh, it was called I, I don't remember how it was, how it was but, but but it had this huge section before the tale started about what fairy tales are and what formulas do they follow, and they had. Uh, the Nasreddin in there, and and uh, all these the Nasreddin stories, the Hodj stories, like all the sneaky, all the sneaky people all over, like Coyote from the American Indians, like ev- every sneaky story ever collected. That was that was my fairy tale book, and of course, love fairy tales, and I also love the movements, but that's kind of not the fairy tale. Oh yeah, no, the movements they're great. I love them as well. People in Australia don't really know them. Um, unfortunately, unless they happen to be um, Swedish. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Moomins are Finnish. Oh, Finnish. That's right. Terrible. I would be in a lot of trouble. Um, but my friend who's Swedish, he has all the books, and he was the person who first introduced me to Moomins. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I love the sneaky ones too. They're normally like foxes, coyotes, wily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all that, that was what we grew up with. <laughs> yeah, I, they're the ones I liked, and I like the boy heroes as well, like the boys who slayed giants and um, went on long quests and things. Um, they were always my favorite growing up, yeah. Well, well, on your show you do a really a lot of research on this you study all sorts of versions of the fairy tales and uh like well i started listening to your show with the danced out shoes episode and it was it was crazy and i didn't even know so many variations of the same fairy tale essentially existed and you do a great a great deal of research there and it was amazing so how do you find all these different variations of, of the same fairy tale well sort of same but similar structure and all that yeah, well, actually, I feel so limited, actually. Like, after that episode, I had, like, um, uh, one of my listeners who's Hungarian gave me some amazing Hungarian versions that I just hadn't read because they haven't been translated into English or into um, a language I can read. So there's so many more. I feel like whenever I do that, I'm just brushing the surface. Um, but, yeah, I, I read a lot. I tend to do um, – I set out and I plan – all the episodes I'm going to do, and I did them in lots of seven, and um, and I do a, a rough plan of of which ones I know well, and I go, okay, I don't have enough here, I don't know enough about this tale, um, and then I, I research in depth, um, and I mean the internet is a wonderful place now, and I have friends all over the world now who, when it's there's a tale that I want to read and it's in a language I can't speak. <laughs> Um, I have friends who will read it for me and sometimes give me the dot points. So even if I can't enjoy the tale fully, I can maybe talk about its existence. Yeah. Another another question specifically for you. What do you think of the Disney adaptations and movies about the fairy tales? Because I'm one of the very few people who hated the Frozen <laughs> movie. Oh, no, I I've hate read, Frozen I, too. I've read the original Hans Christian Ander- Andersen fairy tale. The Ice Queen is evil. Come on, you people. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, like, it's also like I think Hans Christian Andersen was ripping off that Russian story of the Snow Maiden as well, you know, like it gets transformed each time. Um, yeah, in, in, in Latvian version, by the way, that, that fairy tale is about uh, a guy who travels over to Scandinavia to look for the 
northern maiden, but she's kind of turns out to be evil. And yeah. and, and the, the, the 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 Disney Disney just took my childhood and kind of ripped it apart essentially. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of Frozen. Um, it's not my favorite. Or I, Barbie movies. Sorry, what? So what? what or that? Barbie movie. Or the Barbie, Barbie movie. Movies. No, yeah, can't can't deal with them. Um, I you know I love. I love things like Gamilio del Toro, you know, his his um sense of what magic and fairy tale is a great and um but Oh I, yeah, he's my he's my favorite kind yeah. of uh, movie movie director as well. Uh, except I like kind of the horror movie parts of it. El, El Orfanato, which he has produced is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we're we're coming from the same page, I see. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I think some early Disney was really groundbreaking. Um, you know, and things like some of the 1950s ones and 30s, they were really interesting because they were such amazing animations. And it's also great that so many people know fairy tales through Disney, but, um, they just, they take the Europeanness out and put in the, make them American, um, a lot of the time. <laughs> and American morality is just so different. And I'm, sometimes it just really irks me. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know what you're. Uh, I know what I know where you're coming from from the, the different angle. Like uh, I'm a video game geek as well, and I, mm. I played the recent Fallout Four, and I'm doing the choices which would be kind of moral in Latvia, and you know, but it's, the game is made for Americans. So like, if my NPC you know, computer character party members are like complaining about what am I doing, and I'm like, what? What's up, you guys? It's what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can finally an episode where we can discuss Americans. <laughs> Yeah, I mean. Anyways, like yeah, like everyone, there's some beautiful in American oh, yeah, folk so. tales too. I try and I try and incorporate, um, I try and incorporate American sometimes, and there's a lot to be said for American optimism. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I I do love the darkness in folk tales, and I think that that is something European. <laughs> Depend and you know, depending where you are in Europe as well, like the French ones aren't as dark as the Hungarian. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, the the darkest ones that I've seen actually come from Brittany, the 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 small like peninsula end of of, of France, because uh, I, I remember reading this book, uh, Breton folk tales, and that was creepy, like the ones where people used skulls for mosques to go to a party or something. And that was that was one of the creepiest stuff out there, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, Latvian Latvian folk tales are mostly about farmers tricking. German uh, nobility, because you know we kind of got that on our heads. <laughs> yeah, I love the history behind that stuff, though. Like where you can see how culture evolved and things. And I think maybe as an Australian, um, who, you know, grew up with a European father and grows up around, you know, every, like unless you're indigenous in Australia, you're an immigrant, um, and so there's a, a real. It's a real kind of like search for culture, I think, here often trying to find those links because we don't live with them. Oh, great. Where's your father from, if I may ask? He's Italian. So he's oh. from Venezia in Italy. Yeah. Great. I must I must kind of uh, grab Daniel Bolelli and have you both on the show then. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. There's, there's kind of, you know, there, there's also, you'll be surprised. I, I searched up and there's also a Latvian connection to Australia because, uh, turns out the prototype person for Crocodile Dante was a Latvian. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A Latvian guy who lived in the cave somewhere in, in your outback. Yeah. Somewhere there. It was crazy. 
Mm. But, but yeah, uh, talking about stuff, uh, what I try to collect is, do you have any inter- interesting stories from your life? I mean, you're a storyteller, you do a podcast, so uh, entertain us. We um. have a lot of weird things like uh, the g- Bo Capri from the Mythology podcast managed to find a pirate lady with one eye who sang to him and managed to him managed to get to him a free vacation in France. So all the weirdest <sighs> stuff has happened. What's the weirdest thing that has happened to you? What's the weirdest thing that has happened to me? Um, oh gosh, that's a hard one. My, my father, um, he owned a historical property in Sydney, um, out of Sydney. So one of the oldest like farmsteads in, um, in, in Australia and, and he used to run ghost tours there. And, um, I think that's where I really get my love of storytelling is from him and from like staying in this very haunted house and, you know, and though I was convinced, I used to always be convinced when we would go and stay there, um, we would stay in the room where the poltergeist was meant to live. And um, and it was just eerie and, and spooky. I mean, I mean, that's certainly like the, the spookiest place in my life it was like this very kind of gothic childhood I had in country New South Wales, which is the state. Um, but oh, I was the weirdest thing. I don't know. I mean, because I'm an actor, I've done a lot of weird things on stage and I've played a lot of weird characters. I've played a green alien like twice in one year um, (laughs) with like head to toe green makeup. You know, you meet weird people as an actor. You meet famous people and you meet odd characters. Um, You're famous now, so. Yeah, totally. Um, But... Yeah, it's 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 an odd it's an odd life being an actor. I think ev- I think all my days are weird. I just have a weird life. <laughs> well, interesting. And yeah, what are your plans for the future? I mean, what's your next episode going to be for the people who haven't listened to you yet? Yeah. So the next But one... I think they will because for one uh, our dark master Jordan Harbour personally recommended your show to people so you know oh his show is great oh yeah I think my listeners would really like his show I haven't done a personal rec yet I've got to do that um he yeah he's great um yeah next we're doing a two-part series on mermaids actually I've just interviewed some real life mermaids um as in women who live their lives as mermaids with the most incredible amazing tales um and I tales? don't fairy tales. I, I like, mean, as yeah, in, old puns. <laughs> um, yes, um, fish tales. Um, <laughs> uh, but and they were amazing. Um, and so we'll be going. We'll, it's so much to look at. With we're starting with the Little Mermaid and going back through where Hans Christian Andersen got those. So we're looking at Rusalka and Selkies and um, Kelpies and anything that's basically lived under the sea. Japanese fish people. It's going to be fun. And then we're going to finish the season with a look at uh, Asbjornsen and Mo, the Norwegian storytale collectors. So um, I'm really looking forward to that because I didn't know much about their personal lives until I started researching it. And they're really interesting. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm really excited to talk and I really love the Norwegian tales. I'm writing, I'm working on a play based on one of their Norwegian stories are uh, East of the Sun, West of the Moon. And so it's kind of been like a little passion side project to read about them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I also look forward to this because uh, Little Mermaid stuff is 
No, I think there's might there might be something deeper to that that I haven't noticed personally. So, uh, yeah, yeah. we like, like to hear to your your, your stuff. Uh, yeah, another question. You said you you've been doing podcasting stuff and you've been passionate about this all life. And I want to do. I'm doing these interviews for the show, and I've noticed that we all in Dark Myths are a bunch of geeks about something. Like Aubrey from Scald, he's a wrestling fan and writes for comic books. So, what's your thing? Um, what are you passionate about? My nerdy Except thing. Except theater, obviously. Oh yeah. yeah what's I your mean, nerdy thing? I mean, I'm such a nerd in so many ways. I mean, I grew up watching Doctor Who and Star Trek, and <laughs> I'm a massive Who fan. Um, and you know, I I, I read comic books. I, I love comic books. Um, yeah. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. What's your favorite one? I mean, I love like Hell Hellboy is gonna be up there, and you know, I love Alan Moore. Um, and oh, what else do I love? I mean, in Why the Last Man, I really enjoyed as well. Oh yeah, wow, that's, that's a really great one. Yeah, it's the one I give to people to try and get them to read comic books. Um, and you know, I I also you know I studied fine art, so I really love um Chris Ware as well. He's quite esoteric and um. But yeah, I, yeah, I'll read anything. I, I mean, I'm also a massive literature nerd. Like, I'm, I'm a writer, and I would just read anything and everything. Um, and oh man, Harry Potter, like crazy. I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a nerd in so many ways. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I then, then I must recommend to you my favorite comic book, which is uh, Transmetropolitan. Trans- I hope you have read that. No, I haven't. It's. It's uh, it's also I, I think it's from the same series as Watchmen uh, from the DC uh, DC series like you know their their mature series. It's about a it's based on Hunter S. Thompson. It's a, it's about a journalist in future New York, and that actually made me a journalist. It's very very serious. If you liked if you like the Sandman series, like uh, I do, if you I'm like those, a massive Neil Gaiman fan. Yeah. Yeah, if you like the Sandman series, you'll love this one as well because that's 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 the one I recommend to everyone. Oh yeah, no. My partner, it's, it's... he's a writer, and um, he he did a panel with Neil Gaiman um in London, and I, wow. I was so so jealous. <laughs> I was like, you have to touch him, you have to tell him how much <laughs> I love him. <laughs> and my my partner doesn't read fantasy and doesn't get it, and was just like, meh. <laughs> well. You have to educate the person, really. I'm trying. I'm trying. I, I, you know, I got him to watch Doctor Who, and he paused the first episode and said, "Explain time travel to me." And I was like, you know, this is something we're just never going to agree on. <laughs> you don't. You don't ask people to explain tri- time travel. It's, <laughs> it's time travel. It's it's weird. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, no, a bit more serious question. When it comes to podcasting, mm-hmm. this is what I ask everyone. Um, do you have any advice for beginning podcasters? Like, if you just want to start out, what should you do? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of starting podcasters who listen to this show, as we are kind of an established group already. So, yeah. what's your message to them? I I think you listen to the podcasts you love, and you um and you see what works about them. And if you're going to do make a podcast similar to theirs it's a uh, it's a good model to start with so you know some people love podcasts where there's um it's just two people talking conversationally and it's really relaxed like what we're doing and some people like something that's really structured and scripted um and some people like lots of sound and some people like something clean and but I think that the thing is the story you want to tell or the stories you want to tell will probably 
be like the stories you like to listen to. So it's best to look at the ones that you love and and steal from them. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's what that's what you all do. But yeah, it's kind of interesting because I read about that you in Australia have a quite a different situation than here in Latvia or in the United States. Because over here in Latvia, well, I'm the only Latvian podcaster ever out there. No way. And podcasts, yeah, yeah, seriously. And their podcasts are just slowly just they're just, they're just entering there. In the United States, it's kind of a niche market. But as far as I've heard, you in Australia have had a huge history of talk radio. So that's why podcasts are really, really big there. Yeah, we do have a huge history of talk radio. And we also don't have a lot of public radio. So um, as in, um, not compared to, say, England or America, we do. We've got the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting. Um, but um, I think Australians really love podcasts because... Uh, we love storytelling and, um, and because we aren't, we've got so much commercial radio, we don't have a lot of great journalism out there to listen to. So we seek it out independently, you know, um, if you, if you're interested in a really great Australian podcast, I would really recommend Bow Reveal, which is like the Australian serial. It's only five episodes, but it's amazing. If, if, you know, if there's one Australian podcast I can really recommend. Besides my own, obviously. <laughs> well, your, your podcast is just, just great and we will recommend it to everyone, but, but yeah. Oh yeah, uh, another question. How far did you live from Adelaide? Because I know you can get Latvian beer there and I would like to recommend that to you. <laughs> well, I, I guess I live closer to Adelaide than I do to Sydney, which is my, you know, my hometown. Um, but Perth, where I live, is the most isolated capital city on the planet. So it's because it's the state capital, but it is um, in the middle of nowhere. Like Western Australia is almost half of Australia, the state I live in. And, um, and there's a lot of desert between me and Adelaide. <laughs> and wow. a lot of mice. Um, a lot of mice. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. You live in Australia where everything and everyone is trying to kill you actively. Yeah, but how do you deal with spiders? Come on, everything on the internet of Australia is about spiders. Spiders and snakes and sharks. Yeah, you get really um, immune to it, and you kind of make fun of people <laughs> when they get frightened by them. But then I used to be really, really relaxed about all that stuff, and you know, you make fun of your friends from overseas when they get nervous about spiders. Then I got bit by a spider, um, <laughs> and. I, I got less cavalier after that um, <laughs> because, it, you know, my whole ear like swelled up and got really disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I live 20 kilometers from the Russian border in the middle of nowhere as well. When I go and take my trash, there are raccoons and foxes digging through it. So, you know, I, I know how it's like to live in a place that's in the middle of nowhere, except I'm not in Australia. I'm uh, in mainland Europe. Which is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and like the city's really vibrant. It's just that as soon as you go beyond the city, it's it's um it's really quite quiet. <laughs> and there's certainly not another big city anywhere near Perth. It's it's a quite an unusual city. Nice. <laughs> By the way, uh, now let's get into the nitty gritty stuff. What's the worst review that you have gotten on iTunes or anywhere else? Um. Be honest here. Yeah, what's the worst one? Um, I I get a lot of people who who 
who hate the music that I use. Um, who hate Oh, that's music. lovely. Yeah. Well, and it's just like a thing. I think you're into it or you're not. And I had some people who said they couldn't understand it. And like, no stars. I mean, couldn't your, understand your podcast it. is about fairy tales. <laughs> if I would put music in the eastern border, that would be terrible because I, I don't know. What, what should I put in there? Uh, Soviet army march or something? But it's about fairy tales. <laughs> should have music in there. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. But I obviously think it comes down to taste. And um, But yeah, no, I think, I think, that's it, you know. I think, um, uh, you know, when I get I get people who sometimes don't like some of the feminist or like pro female uh, uh, opinions I have about fairy tales. Sometimes about, um, you know, I mentioned uh, feminism a little bit in Little Red Riding Hood, and I got some <laughs> some angry things from that. But I think that's just being a woman on the internet, really. I think I could have been saying anything or talking about any topic, really. You know. How hard is it, actually? Because I don't know. Well, I'm Eastern European, so uh, I, I often get this idea that uh, some Westerners like to treat me as a subhuman myself, so I can kind of relate to this, but um, I don't know. How hard is it to be a woman on the internet? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I haven't found it particularly hard. You know, I did notice a few more um, trolls and things after the Little Red Riding Hood episode where I talked about how, like, violence against women is not okay, which I think is pretty bland safe statement um but i just i i just ignore it and it's it's not particularly troublesome for me i i think for some people and some of my friends who are um who are journalists they find it harder but yeah it doesn't it doesn't bother me i think it's just um you know people always want women to be silent and there's nothing more vocal you can be doing than using your voice to literally tell a story <laughs> like you know i Whoa. mean uh even uh, like This American Life, they say that they get complaints all the time about the women's voices, that were too screechy or they're too crackly. And like, you know, Ira Glass with his very distinct, unusual voice never gets complaints <laughs> or very I rarely. Yeah. For for me, it kind of seems weird because uh, we are used to <coughs> strong Soviet women here <laughs> in uh, Eastern border. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you un you understand it there in the east, in Eastern Europe. You've got strong women. <laughs> well, they kind of had to because that's that's one of the greatest things about the Soviet Union, actually, because we had total and absolute equality there. Most mm. women actually did didn't like the amount of equality that we got because it was weird. But yeah, uh, talking talking about all all everything and all this stuff. Do you have a message maybe for dark myths that you want to tell? I ask this question to everyone and I ask any no one to spoil what they're gonna say. So do you have a message to the group? Everyone's gonna listen to this show because you know at least I know that all the listeners is gonna all, all of our podcasters is gonna listen to this because because they'll be anxious about the message. So a message. What do you want to tell to the group? An uh, advice. Ah, uh, advice. Um, you can just you can just call us all patriar patriarchal evil, <laughs> oppressive guys or something if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd say always break your eggshells up after you crack eggs because that's how witches end up getting into this world, and it's an important thing to do. I think that's my advice for everyone: smash your eggshells up. You don't want the witches. But this uh, this is uh, I suppose it's kind of true, especially if you uh, if you listen to your first shows. If you make your shows and then you move on and then you listen to your first few shows and then you just want to kill yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. It takes a while. Yeah. 
It is kind of terrible, yeah. But uh, talking about your, your acting, how did you get into that? How, uh, because m- my dad, he played in the op- Latvian National Opera Orchestra for 20 years, and he also worked in, in theater for a while, in, in their orchestra. So I've, I grew up running around theaters a lot. Mm. So I've, I, I know the background of, of how you guys work. I've been blessed with this. So that's that's a dirty business for those who don't know. <laughs> yes, it Five, is. Uh, the, in, in the Soviet theater or here in Latvia, there was there was a case where, like, uh, an actor is supposed to come on for a scene, and it was kind of a small role. He just he was a butler in, in a play, so he has to come up and just just serve his serve his, the meals to the main actors, sort of. But that was his birthday, and he got insanely drunk, so they had to literally wake him up three minutes before he had to go up to the scene. So he, uh, so what was happened was, was he went to the scene. He fought, fell down and just wiggled around there, and everyone else got to just play around. And, and this one just pretending that you know it's kind of normal and scripted that the butler is utterly and totally devastatedly drunk. <laughs> that's that's that's, a, that's the weirdest story that I have. Do you have anything interesting happening to you like this on on your theater? Oh, on the stage. I mean, I played Juliet once in Romeo and Juliet, and I um. I gave myself a concussion by walking into the balcony. You know how they have a love scene on the balcony? And I said, a oh, thou- wow. I said a thousand times good night. And then I womp, whacked my head into the balcony and had to keep doing Shakespeare um, for the rest of the night um, with the concussion. And there was a, like a lump on my head that was getting bigger and bigger. And you have to lie down and pretend to be dead. It's like you go into sleep and, <laughs> and, 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 and the stage manager had me out the back and she's like, no, don't fall asleep. Cause you can't fall asleep when you have a concussion. Um, and she's like, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. And so I was like lying there waiting for Romeo and I'm like, he better come really quickly because I felt <laughs> so unwell. Um, yeah. I think that's certainly the funniest thing that happened to me. And, oh, yeah, and I once played a, a male lord a bride where I um I was in a box on the stage for, like, half of the play before um before someone opened the box and I was free. So I had to be set for, in a wedding dress in a box on the stage for about half an hour, um, and that was really uncomfortable to then explode out of out of this box as a male lord of bride. It was a play set in a dead letters office. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you, yeah, there's some, there's weird things that happen in the th- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> and I mean, now I'm a puppeteer like as well. So there are even weirder things like puppets are terrifying when it's like when you have to like oh, really? you're the last person to leave the puppet theater and like you're turning off the lights and there's all these marionettes hanging there like lifeless and it's it's like a Stephen King it's terrifying <laughs> actually I kind of you I know. kind of don't I haven't been to a puppet theater for a while now when there when I was a kid we had just one in Latvia and that's in Riga 
So that's that's quite a quite a bit away. But yeah. How did you end up being an actor? Did you just study fine arts or was it your dream? Um, you know, I Because that makes you kind of special here. You're the only one with like professional training to speak in front of people. I mean, I'm a journalist, so <laughs> See, you know, I my... got tasked to do this because <laughs> My mum's a journalist, um, and she works in magazines and you know, she was a newspaper cadet and things and um uh and I always wanted to be a writer that's something I always wanted to do I always wanted to tell stories and like acting was another way of doing that and um it was really I I always loved acting but I didn't think I could do it I thought um I wasn't pretty enough and I thought that was the most important thing um and which is not true but I that's what you think when you're young um but I went to when I went to university I um like I got there and I was this incredibly weird nerdy girl and um I had like one friend at uni and he said you should come audition for this play and um and I was like no I can't really act but I wanted to hang out with him so I went and I auditioned and it was do you know the video game Monkey Island Oh yeah of course Yeah so it was an adaptation of Monkey Island for the stage You wait <laughs> What? Okay. And Carry so, on. This yeah, is fun. and so I auditioned and I play and I got in and I was playing Elaine Marley from the video game. I don't know. Um, but it was so much fun. Like I went from being this incredibly shy nerdy girl to playing like this sexy pirate. <laughs> and I would I just just loved it. And it was a comedy and I just loved how everyone applauded and laughed and I was hooked from then on. I was I was hooked and I loved just becoming someone I wasn't, you know, this especially playing a sexy pirate. I mean there's nothing better. Um and nothing more freeing and and different from who I am. So yeah, and I and I. Oh I, come on! <laughs> well, it's not it's not not who I am in my everyday, and um, but yeah, it was really fun, and I I I just got addicted. I did a lot of comedy, and um, I did some training, and I studied, um, performance art, and yeah, and you just do thing after thing, and eventually things pay off. I I haven't done too much film. There was a time there where I was chasing that. Um, but I don't like it as much and it's a weird old game and I don't really want to move to LA. I want to keep making weird fairy tale theater instead, <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah. By the way, uh, for you as a, as an English, as a mainly English speaking person and mm. for me, and I'm a Latvian and what's the, what's the most different thing between Australia and the United States then? Cause it's kind of cultural interesting for me at least. I'm pretty sure our listeners will also enjoy this. Yeah, I mean, cult- what's the what's the main difference? Okay, except Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump tipping that I don't understand tipping. When I, I was in America last year, and I, I'm just like, just pay everyone a minimum wage. Just do that, America. Just help each other out. Um, <laughs> um, uh, as, I think you know, Australians they don't like to talk themselves up. I find it very. I mean, I kind of love it. There's something I love about a big. And I've had a lot of American boyfriends. I say a lot. I've had a few American boyfriends. (laughs) Um, And there's something about the kind of cliche of the loud, brash, arrogant American that I find very entertaining and sometimes alluring um, because Australians just don't do that. You know, we barely open our mouths to speak and we don't like to talk too much about ourselves and we don't like 
to sell ourselves too much. And then, you know, like you go to America and everyone, not everyone, that's such a good generalization, but I find culturally people smile and they're so upbeat and it's, and have a nice day is the most American thing to me. You know, in Australia, it's how's you going? You know, (laughs) it's, it's just a different culture. We're we're kind of we're kind of similar in this way. Latvian response to how's it going would be a, a stern look and an answer called possibly dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Australia, it's like how's it going, and you say all right, mate, and that's like the standard like way you begin any sentence. <laughs> oh wow. You know. Yeah, and then bit bit more about dark myths. If you had to recommend a dark myths podcast, which is not yours. Or mm. mine, which would that be? Oh, I mean, I love the mythology podcast, obviously. It was one of the few I had listened to um, a lot before I joined. Um, and, you know, I really love History on Fire. That's always fun. Um, yeah, and, and jo- Jordan's is always beautiful. Um, and I, I just love the places it goes, you know. And um, Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, listen to Dark Myths. We go places. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. I try and listen to to. Um, I'm trying to make my way through listening to them all. I haven't quite got there yet because I get addicted oh, to boy. one, and I want to just stay and uh, you know, I I binge them like a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the same with with a bunch of them before before I joined myself, and it was um, a bit scary. Well, now it's kind of easier for people to listen to podcasts, I suppose, as everyone's playing Pokemon Go included. <laughs> That means that means people have time to walk around actually actually listen to stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I love it uh, when I'm when I'm going to the theater in the morning. It's so nice, and we get to the theater and we like we have a joke because actors all listen to podcasts. Um, you know, we have a joke where they where like every sentence will start in the theater with, "I was listening to this podcast the other day." Um, <laughs> and or like, and then we often find that we've all listened to the same podcast, so they start telling that story, and we're like, "No, no, no, we heard this one too. Don't tell us." Um, or like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and we'll start to discuss it and things. Um, you know, it's you know, pe- people in in the theater in Australia, they're all very um storytelling driven and so they listen to a lot of podcasts and we're always swapping recommendations and um and sharing sharing uh storytelling you know it's it's a real it's a real cultural thing you know I just came off a development where I I worked on six new plays and uh with just reading new playwrights work and each playwright came in and was like Oh, sorry. I was just, I was a bit late because I was listening to, and it was like every playwright was listening to podcasts before they got to the room. Yeah. Well, about your writing stuff, yeah, I also kind of used to write a bit of science fiction, but then I quit because I started to study philosophy. And then I had this, and then I had this mode where I was, I wanted to give some message to the people, and then I thought, you know, well, um, I will just write it really crappy and, and, uh, that someone else has said what I wanted to say before me and just better or something. So so that's why I'm just more more or less into journalism because I can write any new stuff. And how do how do you get your writing spirits up when you make your your stuff and, and your your writing? Yeah. How how do you not get lost about all the thoughts that you could write possibly and, and the doubts if someone else has done it better than you? 
Because I deal it by just doing journalism. So what's your what's your case? Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I could do. I love good journalism, and I just don't think I have the balls. I'm not very, I'm, you know, I I'm, I never want to know the answers. You know what I mean? Um, I'm like, no, no, I want someone else to do that for me. Journalism is really depressing, though. I have to say, <laughs> it is. It is. I get it. You know, my mum, my mum's a journalist. I see it, but um, I admire that. Um, that's dictuitiveness the the drive um and because I, i write fiction and i write theater i just make shit up um oh pardon me i don't know if i should swear um oh no you can <laughs> this is this is uh th- th- this one's a- gonna be marked as explicit since the episode once uh, <laughs> people, oh good people just couldn't give a shit really so <laughs> There you go. um yeah but when i'm feeling bad about my writing I normally try and take a break and um, take a break from it and if I can remind myself why I write in the first place, which can be really hard. Sometimes I can't do that. Um, But remind myself why um, I love stories. Um, And I think sometimes the best thing you can do is show your writing to a friend and even if they don't like it, I guarantee you they will like something about it. And I guarantee you they won't tell you to give up. That I think that's the thing. And, um, you know, and sometimes it's nice to be that friend for other people as well. Um, and, yeah, no one will – it's very rare that someone will say you should just give up on this project. And even if they do say that, they're normally going to say you should give up on this project because I know you can write better and I think this project is the thing holding you back, not your writing. Um I think that's the other thing. Sometimes you have to let something go. We get an idea of like, I want to write this and um, in this way, and and sometimes that doesn't work. You have to write the story of the, you know, a, a, a troll in uh, one way, and 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 you want trying to force it in another way. You know, I don't, I don't. Know. I'm rambling now. Um, but yeah, no, sometimes you just leave it alone, and and the answer comes. I think. I hope. <laughs> I don't know. I've got some deadlines coming up, so <laughs> Ch- check oh, with yeah, me in a couple of months. Deadlines are, deadlines are a great motivator to do something, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. By the way, what's your favorite fairy tale? Of, okay, I shouldn't say fairy tale. Uh, yeah, it is a fairy tale. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I go back and in forth. La- in Latvian, they're called undertales, sort yeah. of. Bossekas. They're they're not fairy tales, because they're not about fairies all the time, and they're, like, really grim. But but yeah, what's what's your favorite of, of all of them? What, yeah. what drawing the most? I mean, I love the word wonder tale. You know, I think that's a really good term for it. Um, and yeah, undertale's great. I mean, fairy tales is really just a French term. It comes from the fact that the French had so many fairies in their tales, particularly in like the Perrault ones. Um, my favorite is um a Russian one called the Gingerbread Prince. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know this one? Uh, actually, no, I don't. <laughs> I th- I think I don't. I I don't know. I don't know that much of Russian Russian wonder tales, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah, feel free. And to I'm tell not me sure where in Russia it comes from. I've been trying to find out actually. Um, oh, sorry. Um, so and that's not very helpful because obviously saying something is Russian. It's that's very big. Um, <laughs> Russia's very big. <laughs> um, so um, but it's a it's a story about uh prince who falls in love with a princess or a queen who is sworn never to love 
and she will never fall in love and she says no to everyone and because he has his heart broken he goes to a witch and the witch helps him out by creating a perfect man out of gingerbread she kneads and um uh, mixes a big giant golem essentially out of gingerbread and when she puts him in the oven he comes out and he's a handsome, perfect prince, and he does all the right things and says all the right things and looks perfect, except he has an almond where his heart should be. And the princess who spurned um, our hero uh, can't help but fall in love with the gingerbread prince because he's so perfect. And so she falls in love for the first time and marries him. And as they're leaving the church, it starts to rain and the gingerbread prince dissolves and nothing is left but his heart because he's not real. And she feels the heartbreak that she's inflicted on every other man before her. It's not very politically correct, but I think I just love the image of a a man made out of gingerbread, (laughs) you know, and the idea that, like, there is no such thing as a perfect man or a perfect person. You know, looking looking at uh, the traditional Russian culture and and how, how it is formed, I can understand kind of the darker undertones of, of this message and everything because you know yeah. traditional russian culture is uh let's just say not very friendly to women <laughs> no honestly <laughs> no yeah yeah i mean it's it's interesting like when i read the slavic tales and things it's i i, I kind of i i love them because they're so dark but they um they're so um cruel sometimes <laughs> You know, but I like that. I mean, everyone likes a little bit of, of that, the Roald Dahl, you know. Everyone likes the fact that Harry Potter was locked under the stairs. You know, it wouldn't make him fun otherwise. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I kind of recently I recently just discovered the Roald Dahl for myself because I went to this new movie of his, the BFG, which I went to because I have played Doom and in uh, that video game BFG means big fucking gun. The movie <laughs> had nothing to do with it. But I I had read only the witch's story before, but yeah, if you think about it, Roald Dahl is kind of the epitome of everything, because I liked his non-fairy tale stories, like the one about the betting your fingers and all that stuff. He's really interesting. Oh, yeah. He writes one one of the weirdest creepiest fairy tales i know actually yeah i love his they are like they're they're fairy tales for adults and they're modern um like royal honey um where the uh, man tries feeds his daughter um royal honey and slowly turns her into a queen bee you know um or like switch switch they are and they're amazing yeah I, i i loved all of them uh, quite a lot. They influenced me and the kids' books growing up. Matilda was one of my favorite books growing up. But they're really dark, and he was a really dark man. Like, there were originally 10 kids in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and they all died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he gave it to, like, his nephew to read, and his nephew started crying around kid four dying, and he went, maybe, maybe I should change that. <laughs> Uh, okay, and now uh, another special question because I did I did some research while preparing for this interview. <clears throat> You're an Australian. Can you please expect ex- explain the concept of the dreaming for non-Australian people? Yeah, well, the dreaming is a collective term that we use for uh, that describes the indigenous storytelling background. So there's um, hundreds, thousands of 
Indigenous nations in Australia um, and we and Indigenous language groups. Um, but they all have, most of them have uh, a dreaming, which is their um, uh, their mythology about what came before. And some of them have things that connect across the country, across a time and space, but um, and some of them are quite different. There are some universal themes, like a lot of them have a rainbow serpent that created the waterways and the mountains. Um, and the Noongar people of Perth, they have a water, uh, rainbow serpent. They created the Swan River, which is, um, near where I live. And at the, in their, uh, storytelling, in their dreaming, the, um, the, the rainbow serpent still lives under that river, like a sleeping, kind of like a sleeping giant, you know? Um, and they also have, uh, some, some nations of stories of, of certain birds and how they came to be, you know, creation stories, how the, how the magpie became black and white or how the kangaroo got its pouch and stories like that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the mythical way of, there's a mythical way of thinking, you know, um, I'm a philosophy master myself. I studied that one and, uh, all, all these fairy tales kind of represent this old way, the really ancient way of, of the mythological thinking that we had, I think, that, you know, all these creation stories and everything, they're, they're kind of ways of explaining the world that you don't know about. For yeah. example, and also, and it also knows weird, weird things. For example, we in, in Latvia, Riga is our capital and one of our oldest cities, like our biggest city here. And it's kind of one of one of its creation legends is that every New Year, a gigantic, humongous sea monster comes out and asks the mayor of Riga, "Is is the city finished finally?" And if he would say yes at one point, then it will just drown. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, we also have our water water based stuff. Yeah. Uh, I can see the similarities because uh, you know Riga, and we with the Baltic people, Riga is. On the river Daugava, which is essentially Dvina, and Daugava is the waterway through which the Vikings got to Constantinople to become the Varangian Guard, and how the north north south travel was was conducted. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess rivers and all these natural things have a lot of importance, and also obviously a lot a lot of stories about about all these. I think that sleeping somewhere. Something that shall return is, is a common element in, in many, many cultures. I think it's everywhere. Like King Arthur and over here, we also yeah. have, have our heroes like that. And yeah, makes sense. It's, it's interesting because it happens all over the world from people that kind of haven't had connections before. It's, it's somewhere there in our, in our DNA, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working to consult with some of the Noongar storytellers um, here in Perth to to learn more about Noongar stories. Um, before, when I lived in Sydney, it's hard because Sydney destroyed so many of the cultural groups that lived in, because it was colonized so early and so long ago and so violently. Um, so much of the the indigenous groups in Sydney their history is destroyed or fragmented or it's just hard to find an elder to talk to. Um, and also some cultures, it's very protective. You're not meant to share your stories with outsiders or there'll be stories that I as a woman can't hear or that a man wouldn't be able to hear, like they're women's stories or men's stories. But the Noongar are really um, a very open, inclusive nation and it's really interesting to learn new stories coming from one side of the country to the other, it is like being in a, comp it is a completely different country for, you know, the 
um, for the first Australians, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, your, your country spans a whole continent. So. <laughs> and, and, and truth to be told, I know very little about Australia, except that everything there is trying to kill you. So <laughs> Yes. It's kind of weird. Yep, yep. And we have rainbow money. and um, What? We have very colorful money. Um, I think that freaks people out sometimes. It's very handy, though. You never accidentally use the wrong bill. Um, <laughs> and what else? Yeah. I mean, some of the cliches are true. We love Vegemite, and I live right near the beach. Um, I, and you know, I love being able to go to the beach in summertime, and it's it's really lovely. And um, yeah, I mean, but some some cliches aren't true. I mean, it's just like with Americans, like we were saying, like there's a lot of people that are that kind of American that we were talking about before, and then there's some people like the Darth Smiths collective guys, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, you can't define a whole country by its cultural stereotype, but you might learn a few things about its culture. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I'm, I'm more surprised of your knowledge of our Eastern European folktales than in your Australian tales, because uh, when I was listening to your show, I was frankly surprised because you're talking about things which a lot of people don't know outside these, these parts of the world. So, Yeah. Where, where did you get them? I mean... Because it surprised me, really. Oh, well, see, I feel like I'm so behind. I feel like, you know, I'm a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. There are some stories that I just really know well, and some I really just research a lot. So recently I did one on Alibaba, and while I knew quite a bit about Alibaba and quite a bit about the um, uh, Arabian Nights, uh, it, it was harder um, there were a lot of gaps in my knowledge. And, you know, um, sometimes you talk to someone who's an expert. Sometimes I I email people and I say, I have these questions about Norwegian folktales or I have these questions or um, I can find a reference to this tale, but I, ha- I can't find the story itself or I can't find it in English. So, you know, I have a friend, a lot of them are in Czech and um, I can't read Czech and I can't read German <laughs> and a lot of them are in German. And so I have friends who um, can read Czech and German and they sometimes help me out. Um, And it's not too hard to get someone to read a fairy tale. They're short. Um, (laughs) If you send it to them, I pay for an e-book and then I I send it to them and then they normally um, give me some bullet points for a summary. If you're talking about Czech, have you read all the Honza stories, like the archetypical Czech soldier Honza guy? Yes. I grew up with those. Those were kind of – because I grew up in – in the Eastern Bloc, we had all these huge collections of fairy tales, including all the Czech ones and all of, all of those. Because when I was a kid, I, I used to play Hansa in my kind of school play too, and I had to read a lot of that. But he's the archetypical, uh, archetypical guy. What I would recommend to you, although it's not a fairy tale, but the, the greatest story of Eastern Europe, I think, comes from Czech Republic, and it's about the, the honest soldier Schweik. Which is one of the greatest books of all time in my eyes. You know what? I was looking at that in a bookshop today, you know? <laughs> and really? I, I wow. didn't buy it, you know? It's crazy. It's a political satire of the First World War, and it's yeah. amazing until the original author dies, because then another guy takes over. But, uh, right. yeah, you have a lot in common. You actually, you have a lot more in common with most of us, uh, the <laughs> guys that you might know, because... 
you can ask Travis the G Dow because he's fluent in Czech and he does the Bohemian podcast and Daniele Bolelli is Italian. Yeah, I like And I yeah. can help you and I, and I can help you out with any and all Russian <laughs> with all the Russian uh, stories that you might want to have. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, one of my one of my friends is Bosnian and and he's and he speaks Russian as well, so he's been helping me too. Um yeah, you know, it's the handy thing about living in a very multicultural world in Australia is that all my friends are from all over the world. Um, you know, and it, it means that you always have someone who speaks a language. Um and yeah, and I'm I'm trying to expand more into the Japanese. I'm I'm more familiar with the Japanese. I'm trying to learn more about the Chinese and Korean tales and how they relate to each other. I think that's going to be something I'm really going to try and focus on in my next block, um, because it's a similar thing to how the it's for me it's easier to trace how the European ones relate to each other um, because I know more about European history. Um, but I'm interested in how. Let me guess. Got- war, more war, <laughs> yeah. some bit more war. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then this story is about war, and that story is about war. And yeah, and I, I, you know, I've been really inter- finding it interesting working on the podcast and seeing how all I really see how the Napoleonic War ripped Europe apart early days. Like, <laughs> like for me, it's become. You know, I always knew it intellectually, but like um, the research I've been doing into the Grimm brothers and as Bjornsson and Mo, um, it's just like Napoleon has so much to answer for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh dear, it's uh, um, yeah, yeah. Na- Napoleon went went over my country as well. We consider him a bit of a bastard here. I think everyone does. Like, I mean, maybe except the French. No, even the French, I think. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. The scars are so deep, um, in Europe. And I, I guess I'm just more familiar with them because I grew up with European culture and, um, yeah. And, but it's, I'm, I'm really keen to learn more about how those similar scars and the similar way that trails, tales travel in, in Asia. Um, and, Eventually in Africa as well. I'd love to learn more about um, African tales. Yeah. <laughs> but well, one step at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> excellent. You know, I will, I'll actually take a look because uh, in my own show, I look at the Soviet Union and Eastern European history, as you know. And yeah. uh, the Soviet Union was famous for actually blatantly ripping off uh, like popular children's books in America. We had the Soviet version of the Wizard of Oz. We had the Soviet version of, of Pinocchio. We had the Soviet version of everything. And there were a lot of specifically very Soviet fairy tales. Like you, you took a fairy tale and then it wasn't Soviet enough and you kind of redid in the Soviet fashion. Except they're all in Russian. So uh, I've watched yeah. some of the animations. I really love the Russian. Oh, well, you watched it? Yeah. Really? Have, you, yeah. Have, you, have you seen the Hedgehog in the Fog? Which one? Hedgehog in the Fog. No, I haven't seen that one. No. It's really trippy and creepy because it was made in in Latvia, mm. and it's one of those one of those very weird ones. It's kind of a children's animation, but it's all in the fog and it's really really scary. And also, Vinnie the Pooh is much better in the Russian version than it's in the American one. I'm sorry, Americans, because yeah. this little brown thing is just gray. Yeah, but I've I've watched quite a few um. Uh, Russian, Eastern European um, fairy tale adaptations. I tend to like them better, and I, I love when the Soviet messages come through. And also, as a puppeteer, Eastern Europe is 
like the the mecca for puppeteers. It's it's where no like, really wow yeah like um the Russian uh uh puppetry festival cool art um is like the second well it's arguably the biggest um festival in the world for puppetry and like people if you're a puppeteer um it's to go and study in eastern europe is the thing either east go to one of the puppetry schools in eastern europe or to go to um uh to the london school of puppetry or you know but yeah like and most most of the study i've done into puppetry really looks at the tradition that came out of particularly, um, you know, uh, the Soviets spent a lot of, they, they funded puppetry while America was, and that's why it's so, such amazing stop animation, you know? <laughs> we, we have, we have, we have this uh, film studio called the Riga, which also made a lot of that stuff. Cause, uh, I don't know, we, Latvia has deep connections with the Soviet movie and animation industry. Cause, uh, we, we had, a, we, we really cooperated with Moss film. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really should have you on my show to talk about Soviet movies and and all that that Soviet theater and all that stuff. So mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I think I think it's about about time we kind of kind of wrap this up. Totally. So yeah, if you have any final words for our listeners, there you go. Do you have uh, anything to say? No, we have I'm... been blathering for an hour already, and it's great. <laughs> no, I I just as I in my show, I always wish people a happily ever after. Because happiness is mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> thank you thank, thank you, you clara it was it was nice to have you here and ladies and gentlemen listen to the singing bones and see you next time ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>